Welcome. This is Perspectives, the show where a look at how we are different often shows us how much we really are alike. I'm Condes Presley. A very fit friend told me just the other day that she is ready for all the people who are faking it losing weight and getting fit here at the start of the year to get out of her gym. She says they're slowing her down. Now here's a thought. Diet and exercise are not equals in an effort to become fit and healthy. That is one of the big takeaways from Thinspired. It's a new book out by Mara Schiavacampo. She's a New York-based correspondent for ABC News. You see her oftentimes on Good Morning America or World News Tonight with David Muir or Nightline. Before that, she worked at NBC and MSNBC. Tomorrow, you're going to be able to see her on The View. I'll definitely be watching. Mara lost 90 pounds, almost half of it, before she really realized that she was losing weight and changing her body. It's what she writes about in her new book, and she's here to share some of her secrets and a formula that worked for her and just might work for you. Mara, as someone who's on television every day, you don't strike us as a person who might have food issues. Mara, we see you on ABC News, Good Morning America, many, many things. We've been watching you for years. You do not appear to us to be someone who would be a woman with food issues. Is that really something that you've been dealing with since you were a little girl? All my whole life. And, you know, it's funny that you say because it doesn't appear to be something that I would struggle with because I did a lot of work in hiding it. You know, this has been um, something I've been really ashamed of my whole life. And so it wasn't something I wanted people to know about. I never spoke about it, um, but it was something that I struggled with privately through childhood and my entire adult life. Now, you write about this this family member, a relative, an aunt who might be at the root of, of what happened to you so early. Yeah, you know, I had a family member who I believe had loving intentions, who didn't want me to develop a weight problem, but just went about it in uh, the, what I believe to be the wrong way. You know, I was a chubby kid. I did not have a severe weight problem. I was just kind of round. And uh, this person put me on diets my entire childhood until I left for college. I, you know, was forced to diet. I was forced to weigh in in front of them and sometimes my siblings. Um, if I lost weight, I would be rewarded sometimes with food, which was very perverse. It set up a really confusing relationship with food for me. Um, and if I gained weight, I was often punished. And so what I learned was that the only way to really enjoy food was in secret because it, when I was that was when I was not being monitored. And so what I would do as a child is I would steal food um, from the house and I would sneak it to my room and I would lock the door and I would eat it all as fast as possible because I didn't know when my window was going to close. And that taught me that that was how you enjoy food and that's how you really relax. And so as an adult, as soon as I encountered any stressful period, that's what I would do is I would retreat. Um, I would eat massive quantities of food, all in secret, all in private, as quickly as possible, because that was really my drug. That's how I coped with life. What was your motivation to turn things around these last couple of years and drop these 90 pounds? You know, I was 50 pounds overweight before I got pregnant, and I wasn't unhappy there. You know, I, I wished I were a little smaller, but it wasn't such a huge motivation that it led me to change my lifestyle. I got pregnant. I gained 40 pounds in pregnancy. So when I had my daughter, I was now 90 pounds overweight, and I was really, really determined to get the weight off. And I wasn't unhappy. I wasn't miserable. I wasn't self-loathing. I didn't feel bad about myself. I was focused. I was determined. I said to myself, I am not going back to work 
in clothes bigger than what I was before I was pregnant. So I'm going back to work in my pre-baby clothes. And I didn't give myself any excuses or any outs. And by virtue of doing that, I learned some really important lessons about weight loss. It was the key to changing my lifestyle. The most important lesson I learned, which sounds so obvious, but for so many of us isn't, is that I had to clean up my diet. It doesn't matter how much you work out. It doesn't matter how much water you drink. If you eat early in the morning, late at night, the only thing that matters when it comes to losing weight and maintaining that loss is eating the right foods and eating them in the right portions. That's it. And so that's what I focus the majority of my efforts on. And you're not that tall, are you? I'm 5'3". I'm a, I'm a shorty. <laughs> Vertically challenged, we'll say. Yes, yes, indeed. Petite. <laughs> so you, you, you did this list where you identified your triggers, the foods that were not helping you at all and you just you cut a lot of stuff out of your diet yeah to say not helping me at all is gentle you know these are the things that were holding me back these are the foods that I abuse and what I realized is that to have them in my life meant willingly engaging in an abusive relationship there's this belief that you can eat everything in moderation and for me I realized that that's as reasonable as telling an alcoholic to drink in moderation there are certain foods that I have abused my entire life and I I would continue to abuse them my entire life. So they had to go completely. And what do you mean by abusing food? Food that had control over me, that I had no control over. So for example, I'd sit down and tell myself, I'm going to have two of these cookies and I would eat the entire sleeve. Or I'm going to have half a cup of this ice cream and the entire pint was gone. And you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I would do this my entire life expecting to be able to eat just one and I never could. And so I realized I just had to get honest with myself. These foods were never going to be okay for me. They had to go. I mourned them. They're dead. They're not coming back from the dead. They're gone. And so the foods that were on my list were flour, dairy, candy, and wine. Now, I know that sounds really extreme and really dire, but that's interesting to me because now people say, well, what do you eat? You know, they're shocked. When you eliminate those foods, there's a whole world out there of, you know, uh, fish and chicken and lamb. You know, I never ate lamb before and fruits and vegetables and quinoa and couscous. There is a whole world of food out there and I'm enjoying it a lot. Let's talk about your formula. Yes. So what I realized in hindsight, so the I didn't start out with a plan. I stumbled upon these lessons. In fact, the original title of my book was Accidentally Thin because it all kind of felt like an accident. What I learned in hindsight as I was looking back on success was that there was, in fact, a method to the madness. I was focusing 70% of my efforts on food, cleaning up my diet and making sure that it stayed clean. 10% of my efforts on sleep, which was huge. When you are hungry, when you are sleepy, you are hungrier. So an easy way to keep your appetite in check is to simply get enough rest. 10% of my efforts on planning, grocery shopping, washing gym clothes, packing my lunch, and 10% of my efforts on exercise. The biggest surprise for me was how small of a role exercise played. And nobody ever says this out loud, but everybody, doctors, nutritionists, personal trainers, acknowledge that it's true, that exercise plays a really small role in weight loss. It's really good for your health. But if you're using it primarily to help you lose weight, you will likely be discouraged and disappointed. So you're saying diet and exercise are not equals. They are not equal. Diet is everything and exercise is little teeny tiny letters exercise you know it makes you feel good it's really good for your mental health it's good for your overall health in a billion different ways but when it comes to weight loss it's a very small piece in fact in a lot of cases exercise leads to weight gain because you're hungrier when you exercise more marathon runners will tell you that when they're training they're often gaining weight because they are so ravenous around their training schedule so what I tell people all the time is give yourself permission 
to get the food in check. It could be a month. It could be three months. It could be four months. Don't start an exercise routine. It's too much to take on at once. When you get the food under control, then start to work out. But you were exercising before you stumbled into this plan. And but you so, said you're like kind of going through the motions. Yeah. So in my in my previous life, I'll say, you know, <laughs> you know, pre lifestyle change, I would go to the gym um, and I would kind of you know turn on the TV. I'd watch a show. I'd be on the elliptical. I wasn't working hard enough to even break a sweat. And in fact, I would not wash my gym clothes after every time I went because I didn't need to. I didn't sweat in them. Um, so it was really very much a waste of time. And as a result, I, you know, wasn't seeing any any measurable progress in my fitness levels. Um, what I have learned about exercise in in this new journey is that if you are going to exercise and you want to see results, you have to work hard. Change only comes in discomfort and pushing yourself. You're not going to grow uh, in terms of your, your physical fitness if you're not really pushing yourself. So did you go out and get a trainer? What I did was I started taking classes. So uh, what I, you know, in New York, we have SoulCycle and they have it now uh, in a, a lot of cities around the country. And that was really the first time that I worked out and enjoyed it. It was like a party. I loved it. I get up at seven o'clock in the morning on a Saturday in the dead of winter in the snow to go because I looked forward to it and I really liked it. And that opened the door of fitness to me because it was the first time I was connecting with my body. Then I started going to boot camp and yoga and a whole bunch of other different things. What I have found for me is that group class are really important because I will never push myself as hard alone as I will when I'm with a group. So it helped to have those other people in the class to hold you accountable to what you were promising yourself you were going to do. It absolutely helps a lot. And, you know, it made me realize the importance of a new peer group because you need other people to look to who are more advanced than you are to give you something to aspire to. And I'm not talking about looks. You know, I'm not talking about the girl with the six pack. I'm talking about someone who can lift heavier, who can run faster so that you're always aspiring to something better. And also you need to be around people who share your values, who are not looking at you like you have two heads when you suggest meeting them for a 6 a.m. class on a Saturday, or let's meet afterwards and get an egg white omelet. You, your peer group should be, um, you know, diverse and varied. So, you know, that doesn't have to be the only people you hang out with, but you definitely want to have people in your peer group who share your goals and lifestyle. We're talking to Mara Skivacampo. Her book is Thinspired, and it is how she lost 90 pounds, her plan for lasting weight loss and self-acceptance. You said, Mara, that you cut flour, candy, dairy, and wine out of your diet, you say it's important to replace those bad habits with good ones. Why? Yeah, the one thing I do want to point out is that that list is my list. So what's really important for people hearing this is that you have to be honest with yourself about the foods that you abuse. I, for example, have no problem with salty snacks. You could put a bowl of potato chips in front of me. I can eat just one and it's fine. So just be honest with yourself about what your particular triggers are. The other thing that I learned is that if I were was going to take away something that I had come to rely on very heavily, which was the food. And I was relying on this to meet a lot of emotional needs. And those needs are real. I had to put something else in its place because otherwise the house will collapse on itself. So I had to find different ways to cope with life that gave me the same satisfaction as food. And what I found worked was, you know, one of the most practical ones is shopping. You know, this doesn't sound very high minded, but shopping gave me a little bit of adventure, a little bit of fun, a little bit of the thrill that say, you know, a snack might give me. And you can shop online. And for me, the thrill came in, you know, a $2 pack of eyelashes. It was just the act of shopping um, gave me some fun. I would go online and look at high-end real estate, luxury real estate, because that also gave me a little bit of a thrill. Prayer, meditation, yoga, 
journaling, reading a great juicy novel. I just had to find ways to cope with life that had nothing to do with food. Because you said you were eating at the end of the day to relax. I was eating for so many reasons. One of the biggest was relaxation. The end of a stressful day, I just want to sit and enjoy something gooey and yummy and delicious, and that'll help me decompress from the day. I was often eating from boredom. I was often eating from exhaustion, and that's where the sleep comes in. What I have learned is there is a there are a lot of times where I'm eating or I'm tempted to eat because I'm sleepy, and the solution for being tired is sleep, not food. So now I go to bed early or if I can, you know, sit in a dark room for 10 minutes and take a little cat nap, that's what I'll do. Um, And I also learned that I was eating, you know, from disappointment, from discouragement, for joy, pretty much any emotion that was, you know, beyond the baseline, uh, any high or low, I was dealing with it with food. So Dave, have you found, Mara, in talking to other people, if you've traveled and and talked about the book, that you're connecting with folks who are like, yeah, that's me. I'm bored. I'm eat. I'm watching TV. What do you do while watching TV? I eat. I eat. And folks are saying, yes, this is me. It's such, you know, the most gratifying part of this experience for me has been that the way that people have responded to it, because so many people have said, I identify with your story. And it's often people who don't appear to have any kind of weight problem, people that you would never guess have a bad relationship with food. But they say, I have a terrible relationship with food. I identified a lot with your story and they want to make changes just for their overall mental and, and spiritual health. Food is an issue that is so profound for so many of us. Very few people eat just for nourishment, just for fuel. So many of us eat because it's our drug, because it's our joy, because it's our adventure. And those are the people who are reaching out to me and saying that they connect to the story. How difficult was it for you to share some of those really personal experiences. You, you write about being a food zombie in your youth, wandering the streets of New York, eating from place to place. You said you even joined a cult, a food cult. Yeah, you know, this... Um I was committed to being honest. And the reason I was committed to being honest was because I was certain there were people out there who had the same experience or similar experiences who could benefit from my journey. But just because I was committed to it doesn't mean that it was easy. What what I share in this book, most of the people in my life, even those closest to me, didn't know any of this. And so I'm putting all my pain and my shame out on Front Street. But what I learned is there is no shame in it. You know, the devil is a liar. The devil told me for my entire life that I had something to be ashamed of. And I don't. I abused food, and a lot of people do. And you know what? That's okay. We just have to try to do better. So you really were one of those yo-yo dieters. Absolutely. And I, it was something that I kept in private because I didn't want anybody to know I was out of control. You know, I ha- I'm a type A person. I'm successful by a lot of measures. I wanted to appear like I had it all together. And admitting that I was a functional addict does not go with that picture of having your life together. And so I kept it to myself. I fiercely protected it. Even my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, who was living with me, didn't know about a lot of the issues that I had with food because it was always in secret, always in private. So you're burying food in the garbage with him too? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would hide junk food wrappers up until, you know, just a couple years ago. I I had so much shame about it. I mean, you would think that I was, you know, hurting people the way that I was ashamed of it. Um, And I didn't want anybody to know. You know, there's a story in the book where I was eating a donut 
and I was in the store and I rounded the corner and I saw somebody that I knew and I was horrified that they would see me in the middle of a binge. And so I turned around and I literally ran out of the store before they could see me. And I got about two blocks away and I said, why was I running from them? So what if they saw me eating a donut? But I was so ashamed of it. I didn't want anybody to know. Mara, everybody on TV appears to be super tiny, and, and by your right. own admission, now, now, so are you. So before you got to where you are now, having lost the baby weight plus the, the extra weight that you were carrying, how was it for you working in such a visual industry as, we would say, a woman with curves? Yeah, you know, the thing about TV, and people hear this, but I, I don't know if they fully realize it, the camera adds weight. The camera adds 10 to 20 pounds, depending on who you are. So what that means is that everybody you see on TV who looks to be a normal size, in person is really tiny or underweight. So I was dealing with two issues. One, when I began working in front of the camera, my first on-camera job, I looked so much bigger on camera than I believed myself to be. That was a big problem. And two, all of my peers were so tiny in real life. And that really freaked me out. And I just snapped. I mean, that led to a two-year period of really severe depression and um, an eating disorder. It was a really dark time in my life. But what I will say is that at some point in my journey, my professional journey, I realized that as a plus size woman, I was one of the few on TV who was representing the women in our audience who look like me. The average size woman in this country is a size 14. I realized that a lot of my viewers look like me. And so I was going to be proud of that. I was going to represent them well. And that was a really important switch for me because I was no longer hiding from my look, but I was owning it and trying to own it fiercely. So now when did that switch flip and you discover that being fit really and being healthy made you happy? You know, that that happened, uh, you know, it, it started almost right from the beginning. There is a period of detox when you're changing your life that is absolutely miserable and there's no other way to couch it. And I don't think I should try to sugarcoat it because people need to be prepared for that challenge. But once you get through that terrible period of detox, there's freedom on the other side of it. And it was a freedom I never had known before. And it has been so beautiful. It's been one of the unexpected joys and gifts of my life. And along with that is the gift of connecting with my body through exercise. And I don't want anybody to think I'm anti-exercise. I'm working out six to eight times a week because I love connecting with my body. And for the first time ever, I value my body for what it can do for me not for what it looks like, not for what size jeans I can squeeze my button to, but for how fast I can run and how heavy I can lift and how deeply I can breathe, you know, valuing the human creation. And that's a very spiritual journey. We've talked a little bit about some of the the lack of support that you had early on from family members. You've talked a little bit about your, your husband and hiding what was going on with you from him. How has the support been from him now in these last two years when you have made such a dramatic change? He's been, he could not be more fantastic. I mean, if I had to write a, a script of how somebody should behave when their partner is going through this lifestyle change, he would fit every every criteria. Um, he has made a lot of the changes with me because they're good, you know, for overall health. So he's like, all right, let's do it. Um, we support one another lovingly and encouragingly. You know, we kick each other out of the bed when it's time to go to that class or go to the gym. 
Um, we support each other in child care. We take it very, very seriously. So if he tells me he's going to be home late because he has a CrossFit class to go to, I'm not rolling my eyes. I'm like, absolutely, go. Take as long as you need. And he does the same for me. So he's just been so phenomenal. And he has he never once made me feel anything but beautiful in whatever my size was and he always was accepting of my flaws around food so you're a very lucky woman i am beyond measure (laughs) so do you guys share in the planning and in the cooking or is all of that on you plus being the mother of a toddler yeah, I do most of the planning and cooking just by virtue of the fact that you know, he doesn't really have food issues. So for him, you know, it, he doesn't have to be as regimented because it's much easier for him. That's not his problem. And so um, I do most of the cooking and the planning because it's something I have to really be very focused on. But we do eat pretty much the same diet, which is fantastic because what it means is there's no junk in our house, none. In fact, my father came to visit recently, and when I came home from work, he said, you don't have any snacks in your house. You know, he was so upset. Said. He said, I had to take like some peanut butter and put it on a rice cake. So that's there's a very good reason for that. We don't keep them in the house. Um, so there's there, uh, there's no bread in our house. There are no cookies. There are no nothing. Um, and we so it's good to have a partner in that because I don't have to pretend the chips aren't there or the cookies aren't there. They're really not there. So if my daughter wants a little treat and every now she asks for something, we'll go to the store and get it. And she knows that, that those things live in the store. They don't live in the house. So it's as if motherhood really changed everything for you. It changed everything. And it gave me a much a motivation that was much bigger than me. You know, for most of my life, my weight was about my physical appearance. And now it's become about almost everything but my physical appearance. It's the, the example that I'm setting for my daughter. It's the energy that I want to have in being a mom. It's focusing on my health and mental health and well-being so that I can be a more present, loving mother. Um, so it's really changed my core motivation. Are you still as type A as most journalists are, even though parenthood <laughs> means and a toddler, you've lost control of the house for now. Just give that Absolutely. up. Absolutely. I I know I have a new boss and it's not ABC News. It's Ms. Nina Porter. Um, you know what it has done is it, it has relaxed me tremendously. And you might think that's counterintuitive because, you know, your responsibility in life is so much greater. But it puts everything in perspective. Like give a crazy day and then you come home and my daughter has like made a pretend bed on the floor and she's like, mommy, lay down. And I'm laying on the floor for 20 minutes being the baby. I mean, it's just so fun. You can't take yourself too seriously. And it's the only thing that matters. You know, it doesn't matter what's happening at work. I love my work. I take it very seriously. But at the end of the day, as long as my baby's okay, nothing else matters. What is it that you want readers to take away from Thinspired? I want people to be encouraged. I want people to be encouraged and motivated and prepared for the challenge. What I am very, very honest about how difficult the challenge of changing your lifestyle is, because I think that's only fair. If I were to send you out in a blizzard wearing a bikini, that wouldn't be fair. So if you're going to go out in a blizzard, you have to be prepared for it. And I'm very honest about the work that it takes. But I'm also honest about the reward that's on the other side and how magnificent and glorious it is. So I want people to be encouraged and inspired to make those changes to know that if I can do it they can do it because I have a long history with this and to also realize that it's a journey three years into this I'm not cured I'll never be cured it's a daily struggle we're in this together just take it day by day one baby step at a time 
and you you give your readers a, a jump start because there are your recipes and menu suggestions in the book as well. Yeah, I love to cook, and so one of my big challenges was figuring out how to cook without it being like you know macaroni and cheese and fried chicken and pasta. <laughs> so I set about just you know discovering new recipes that allowed me to do what I really enjoyed in a way that supported my lifestyle. In fact, when I leave here, I'm going to the grocery store to get some bananas to make these like banana oatmeal bars that I can take to the gym because I love to cook and. And so I wanted to give people who also love to cook some things that they can test out and try and hopefully love and enjoy and make part of their lifestyle. Well, the book is Thinspired. The author is Mara Schiavacampo. You are a delight. Congratulations on your success and your continued journey because just because you are where you are now, you got to work to stay there, right? Absolutely. And you know what? I think the, the biggest mistake would be to believe that I'm cured. My demons are doing push-ups, and I know that. So i got to stay vigilant. And, Condes, thank you for supporting the book. I really appreciate it. Terrific. Thank you very much. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, my handle is Condo29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective.